Chapter thirty eight of Tell Us Another by Winfred Hurst, SDS. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. A modern Tarsicius. Yes, if there was any earthly thing that Lucy O'Donnell loved, it was the quiet reading of devout books, especially the inspiring lives of the saints. But she loved good Catholic stories, too, and you know girls often are that way. She liked books for boys also. That's why on this particular evening she was reading Reardon Raw, the book for boys of which Father Finn says, There were parts which made me catch my breath. There were thrills which I long considered as having passed with my salad days. Well, the story of Tarsicius, charmingly told, made Lucy catch her breath also that evening. There was Tarsus's father, Secundus, Dan, the hero of the story, called this Roman boy martyr, Tars for short, you see. Yes, there was Tarsus's father fighting with a huge bear in the Circus Maximus, for the amusement of cruel Nero and the pagans of Rome. But because Secundus could not overcome the powerful brute, he was beheaded in seeming disgrace. Then there was Tars telling his sweet, delicate, saintly mother, Agatha, about it. It broke her heart. She never recovered from the blow. Go to the bishop in the catacombs. He may want you after the mass were the last words she spoke to him on earth. Listen, it is in one of the catacombs of Rome, those subterranean caverns and tomb-lined passages, in which the bodies of the Christian dead were buried, in which the early Christians were wont to hide and practice their religion in times of persecution. It is after Mass. The bishop is speaking. Publius is not here, he says, and it was his happy task to carry the body of the Lord to the Christian prisoners who await their execution. Who will volunteer for the dangerous mission? Who will take the consolations of the Christ to hearten his blessed martyrs? In an instant, Tarsi stepped forward. Oh, my father, if I may, if I am not unworthy, gladly would I bear the body of the Savior, and gladly would I die for him. Tarsicius, the Lord has chosen you. You shall go. Carefully, reverently, the venerable bishop places the tiny white hosts that are Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament in a folded corporal, puts the corporal in a burst, and confides it to the kneeling boy, who conceals it under the folds of his tunic, above his heart, and presses his hand over it protectingly. Then, with the bishop's blessing, he departs for the dreary dungeon where the Christian martyrs are longing for the bread of life. Modestly, he hurries through the streets. Ah, there on that corner, a group of boys, sixteen or seventeen years of age are playing one is pouring water on the head of another and mumbling incoherent words then there is a roar of rude laughter there are pagan boys and are playing baptism mocking the holy sacrament they see tarsicius coming hi tars calls out Corvinus, the leader of the boys come and join us in our game oh i cannot exclaims tars hurrying past with his hand pressed tightly to his breast. "'Oh, but you shall!' cries Corvinus, bully that he was. "'Set on him, boys. He is a Christian carrying an enchantment.' In a twinkling a crowd of rowdies had piled upon Thersisius. They seek to tear his hand from his breast, but it is as an arm of steel. They cannot budge it. Then they strike and kick him. They trample his body under their feet.' Bleeding from many wounds, the noble boy martyr breathes his last. Beat it, fellows, Corvinus cries suddenly. There comes a Christian soldier, if we fall into his hands. In a moment the rowdies have disappeared. 
Tenderly the sturdy Sebastian kneels beside the body of the Christian hero. Tarsicius is dead. Reverently he draws away the hand that still rests above the boy's heart. It comes away without resistance now. He takes out the burst and corporal. He slowly opens it. It is empty. God will protect himself when his little messengers cannot, the strong soldier murmurs in an awed and trembling voice. Then, listen to this sad news item, Lucy's father was saying. With a start, the girl came back to the thing of the present and remembered that she was only reading a chapter or two in Reared and Raw. It was in the family sitting room, and father was reading the paper. Listen to this sad news, Mr. O'Donnell said. Last night the Catholic Church at Oakstead was profaned. All the precious vessels of gold and silver were stolen. The sacred hosts were spilled upon the floor. Also a little pyx containing a consecrated host is missing. It was used to carry the Blessed Sacrament to the sick. Catholics everywhere are deeply grieved at the sacrilege. There was a moment's tense silence. The profanation of the Temple of the Most High and the insults offered to the Eucharistic God cut that truly Catholic family to the quick. Then the Father spoke. Let us kneel down and say seven our fathers in honor of the Blessed Sacrament, in reparation for the injury done, and in petition that the Sacred Host may be recovered. They knelt to pray. They all retired with heavy hearts. Lucy, I wish you would go up into the hills to visit poor Granny Janet this morning. She was rather weak yesterday and is all alone, you know. We must care for the poor sick body for Jesus' sake. Take this basket of good things along for her. Be careful that you do not stumble and break the bottle of wine. Lucy's mother was always so thoughtful. Granny Janet was not really anybody's grandmother. She was all alone and had no relatives in the whole wide world. For years she had lived quite retired in her little shack among the hills, walking regularly to the distant church, praying much, and working in her little garden. But now she was failing fast. Only by chance had Mrs. O'Donnell found it out. "'Oh, mother,' cried the girl, "'I'm so glad to go. Granny is so good and holy. She prays so much. I like to be with her. I'll take good care of her, and then come back to let you know how she is.' Do, dear, said Mother, giving her a loving kiss. That's a good girl. Now run along. When Lucy reached Granny's little house, everything was very quiet. She rapped at the door. No answer. Wondering what could be the matter, she quietly opened it and entered. There was the dear old soul in her bed, so sick and weak that she could not even speak above a whisper. Darling, she whispered as Lucy went to the bedside and took the cold, trembling hands in her soft, warm ones. Darling, Granny is very, very sick. Oh, Granny, see, the girl said lovingly. Mama has sent you such nice things to eat and a bottle of wine to make you strong. You'll get well again, Granny, dear. No, darling, I fear that I am going home to Jesus. Oh, yesterday the priest was here and heard my confession. He said he would come tomorrow with the Blessed Sacrament. But I am so sick this morning. Darling, I am dying, and I fear to die without Jesus. Oh, how I wish I could receive my Savior in the Holy Eucharist. Lucy, poor little girl, was frightened. Granny looked so very pale, her hands were so icy, and there was such a strange look in her eyes. The girl wiped the cold sweat from the wrinkled brow and said, 
Granny, take a little wine, please, and get strong. Then we'll say the rosary together. With difficulty, the old lady sipped a little. From the glass, Lucy held to her lips. Then they prayed. Again and again through that little room floated the beautiful words. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. But the dear old lady's voice grew ever weaker and weaker. And all the while, Lucy was thinking, Oh, may I leave her alone and run down to the village for the priest? Is there yet time? Suddenly she made a pause. Granny, she called, bending low over the dying woman. Granny, can you stay alone? I will run down after the priest. A light sprang into the woman's eyes. She nodded, raised herself slightly, then fell back on her pillow in a daze, unconscious. Throwing her cloak about her, Lucy hastily left the house and ran towards the village. The church was three miles away. Would the priest arrive in time? Would Granny live that long? On she sped, but so eager was she that she forgot to be prudent. She had not yet gone the first mile when she sank to the ground exhausted. She could go no further. In her excitement and eagerness, she had overtaxed her strength. As she sat there upon the ground, sobbing aloud and thinking of Granny, and the priest, and the blessed sacrament. A shiny object in the grass along the road caught her eye. She looked closer. Why, it was a tiny golden box, somewhat like a watch case, and on the cover were engraved the letters IHS. Then all of a sudden a light broke in upon the girl, and she thought she knew. Surely it must be a tiny pix, a little vessel in which the blessed sacrament is taken to the sick. Oh, she remembered! Such a pix had been stolen when the tabernacle of the church at Oakstead had been broken open the night before, last. The thieves must have lost it as they fled away, and the paper said it contained a host. Reverently she kneels down. Dare she touch it? Yes, she may see. Ah, oh, she must. If Jesus is there, she must care for him. Slowly she opens it. A host of dazzling white lies in the golden case. Closing it ever so gently, she folds her hands and bends low in adoration. Oh, Jesus in the blessed sacrament! What to do? She may not leave it here. And will it not now be too late if first she goes to the village for the priest? She thinks of dying granny longing for the coming of Christ. Then a sudden inspiration came to her and she made a quick resolve. Yes, she would take the Blessed Sacrament to Granny herself. It wouldn't be wrong. Maybe that was just what Jesus wanted. God's ways are so wonderful. Taking a clean white handkerchief from her pocket, one that was still unused, she lovingly placed the golden picks within its folds, as in a corporal. Then pressing it against her heart, she ascended the hills to the hut, not running this time, but walking with reverent haste. And all the while she prayed to God upon her heart that Granny might not die too soon, that she might first receive him in Holy Communion. She entered the room. There lay Granny. Was she dead? No, though unconscious, she was still breathing. The girl bent over her and cried eagerly, Granny, I've got Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. As one called back from the dead, Granny's eyes opened. She tried to lift her arms and welcome to her God, while the girl quickly explained everything. Then that hasty preparation, 
but Granny had long been prepared. And there, in the golden glow of the flickering candle, Lucy knelt and adored her God. She took the pure white host with one little corner of the spotless handkerchief. She placed it upon the tongue of the radiant Granny. Then she fell upon her knees at the bedside and cried as though her heart would break. She knew not why. When she lifted her head, Granny was with Holy God in eternity. Half an hour later, Lucy O'Donnell knelt weeping at the parish priest's feet down in the village. Father, she sobbed, Granny was dying, and I feared it would be too late had I come to you, and, and I dared not leave Jesus alone by the wayside, and I thought. The poor girl was overcome with emotion. What had she done? She had carried, she had touched her great God. The thought of the sacredness of it all rolled over her soul like a flood. Father, forgive me. I confess to you if I did any wrong. I... Child, said the priest in a voice trembling with feeling, dear child, favorite of God, you did no wrong. It was one of God's wonderful ways. End of chapter 38